men. Welcome to the FaithBridge Men Podcast. I'm your host, Mace Perez, Men's Discipleship Coordinator at FaithBridge. And I'm so excited that you are joining us as we continue our current season, Fight the Good Fight. All spring, we are going to be encouraging, inspiring, and challenging men to believe the true gospel and to be transformed by the gospel. And as part of this journey, we are highlighting stories of the men of FaithBridge who are fighting the good fight. These aren't super men or super Christians. They are regular guys like you and me whose lives have been and are being transformed by the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And joining me today is my friend, George Watson. George, thanks for being here today. I'm nice. Glad to be here. Um, so you're relatively new on staff at FaithBridge. And so to start, just introduce yourself a little bit to the men of FaithBridge. Um, tell us a little bit about your role here, that sort of thing. Sure. I've been here since the 1st of January. I've been a member of FaithBridge um, for seven years, perhaps. I started at the Woodlands campus, then it was rolled back, and we continued to come here and uh, really felt like this was the place for us to be. And um, one thing led to another after being involved um, Wayne Risher invited me to breakfast one morning and said, let's talk about something. And it was the position of care pastor, which is the role of, as it sounds, caring for people. It is broken into um, a prayer ministry, and which is an incredible way of caring for people. And then also meeting people's felt needs, um, such as those that need counseling, those that are in in uh, difficult times, trying to care for people as um, uh, the need arises. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I know that you're working hard behind the scenes to generate some new opportunities and resources for faith bridgers to to meet those needs. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about kind of what's been stirring in your mind and what you hope to see FaithBridge doing in that that area in the future. Sure. So there, I wanted and felt led to move in four directions that would meet um, what I consider uh, significant needs, and that is to start ministries um, for um, divorce care, which is obviously for those that are going through the heartache of divorce and to help them work through those things and the hurt as well as um, how to get our lives back together and, and um, know that we are still valued uh, in God's eyes. Uh, grief share, those that are have struggled with the loss of somebody that they love and they care about. And then um, one is for um, marriage. It's called re-engage. For those that know that their marriage could be operating on more cylinders and, and doing better, and perhaps there could be people in the class that their marriage is good, but they know it could be even at a higher level. And then also um, one that's really at, tugging at my heart is called Regeneration, which is an addiction recovery ministry. And um, there's all kinds of addictions all around us, you know, in our neighborhoods, in our church, everywhere whether it be addiction to a substance, um, you know, alcohol, or addiction to something like pornography. Uh, we want to um, minister to the whole person, and um, these sorts of ministries would enable us to do that. I, I love it, George, and I'm so thankful for your leadership in those areas, because I'm, I'm sure that 
every man listening to this podcast or woman for that matter um, fits in at least one of those categories and could benefit from one of those ministries. I think of I've I've had several friends that have gone through the regeneration uh, ministry at other churches and and friends that don't have an a necessarily overt obvious addiction, but just found that it uncovered things that they didn't even realize were there and they found a whole new level of, of freedom. Or I was thinking as you were talking about re-engage with the marriage, uh, I've told the men of Faith Bridge this before, but I'm when it comes to counseling, I'm a big believer that everybody needs counseling. The only difference from person to person or season to season is maybe the the level of crisis that someone might be in. So some people are in the thick of it. They need maybe even like a week-long intensive retreat. Other people, maybe they need the kind of more standard every week or every other week meeting with a counselor. But all of us, just like our cars, they might break down from time to time and need some emergency maintenance. But all of our cars need an occasional tune-up, oil change, that sort of yes. thing. And so, to to so there's the obvious. Okay, our marriage is a little rocky. We need to work on it. But there's also the the marriage is great, but could it be even better? Or what what can we do? What more tools can we add to our tool belt to to keep it at that absolutely? High level? So, yes. So excited about what you're doing. Thank you. Um, but we're primarily here to to learn a little bit about you. That you know, before you're a care pastor, you are a, a follower of Jesus Christ yourself. Yes. And so, our our theme for the the season is fight the good fight, which we've been defining as believe the true gospel and be transformed by the gospel. So, thinking about that first part, that believe the true gospel. Tell us a little bit about your faith story and how you first came to believe the true gospel. Sure. Uh, and I jokingly tell people that I was going to church almost nine months before I was born. So I, <laughs> I grew up in the church, and um, just being there was, in my mind, I think, just what people did, because I didn't know any different. And so back on Easter Sunday, 1968, I was baptized, and I think I did that because that's what my parents encouraged me to do. I, I don't think it, there was this huge spiritual experience. It was more of a, a checkbox, a step in the process of doing what you're supposed to do in life. Um, but I was involved in church, always there when the doors were open, went to camps and all of those sorts of things as I grew up. In probably junior high school, I had a friend that he and I had a Sunday school teacher, back when Sunday school was the raging thing, that really took an interest in us. And we met with him at his invitation several, I don't know how many times we met, but it was once a week for a number of weeks. And um, we liked going to meet with him because he was a pilot and he promised to take us flying one day when we were done. But it was in those times that the reality of a relationship with Jesus on a personal level, I think really began to, to I, that's when I first realized it and began to experience it and began to pray on a much more personal level and to have spiritual conversations that were very meaningful and helpful to me. And so I would say probably my real growth um, and the, the start of real growth, you know, happened when I was seventh grade or some somewhere along in there. 
There's a, uh, thank you for sharing that. There's a couple things in there that really stuck out to me. One of them is the reminder that just because someone goes to church, they might be, you know, at the church every time the doors open. Yes. Does not necessarily mean they have come to a place of truly surrendering to, to Christ and truly believing the true gospel. I was sharing with a couple of leaders on, on Sunday, we were talking about having spiritual conversations with people and specifically trying to share the gospel with, with lost people. And one of the things I said to our leaders was the low-hanging fruit is the people we have walking around our halls on Sunday. They're here, which is great, but just because they're here does not necessarily mean they have that relationship with Christ. And so one of the, the lowest hanging fruits, if we want to have spiritual conversations, we want to evangelize lost people is get to know the people around you at church when you're waiting in line to get your cup of coffee or your donut or you happen to sit next to someone you don't know, you know, start to get to know them. And, and uh, of course, starting just with kind of the basics, name, family, that sort of stuff, but trying to get to a point where you can hear a little bit of their story and and share the gospel with them. So I loved, uh, appreciated that. And then the second thing, and this has been a theme throughout all of these interviews that we've had all spring, is that, yes, the church corporately played a role, but every man so far has been able to point out specific people that had a particular spiritual influence in their life. And so I, that stuck out to me. And, it, and again, it made me think of, okay, to the men listening to this podcast, you know, kind of two action steps that came to my mind would be, if they haven't done this already as they've been listening along all spring, is to think back through their own story, who have been those pivotal influencers in their life, but then also to think about the opportunity that we have to be those sorts of men. As we get to have conversations with people around uh, around us at church, as we're serving in grow groups and on serve teams and in kids' ministry, as we're raising our children, if, if we have children still in our home, the opportunity that we have to become one of those men, that when someone else is sharing their faith story someday, they might say, there was this guy, George, or there was this guy, Mace, who really took an interest in me and pursued me with the gospel and with spiritual things. And I can double down exactly on, on what you're saying because I think at every instance where I experienced you know, some significant spiritual growth, I can attach the name of somebody that influenced me. And they may not have known it. Lots of times they did know it, but sometimes they may not have known it. But it was just the reality of being around them and being around their life that, that God really worked through them to help me to have that significant growth in my life. I love that. So I totally agree with everything, you know, with, with what you're saying. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. So if fighting the good fight is, yes, believing the true gospel, but it's not stopping there. It's once we have come to a place of faith, I like to say, you know, we never graduate from the gospel. It's the Christian life is a constant being transformed by the gospel. And so you mentioned you know, some some particular seasons of growth in your own faith since that time when you were in seventh grade and you, you first came to truly believe uh, and surrender your life to Christ. So tell me a little bit more um, kind of after that seventh grade season of ways that you have been transformed by the gospel. Sure. I, through my teenage years, I was heavily involved in the youth group at my church and the youth minister there uh, again, spent one-on-one time with me at various times. Not not every week, but 
but there were times, and, and he was a tremendous influence. And it was during that time that I occasionally had thoughts regarding ministry, and I don't know where those originated from. Well, I didn't at the time. They were, at the time, I would have said they're passing thoughts. Looking back on it through the rearview mirror, I would say God was planting strategic seeds at the right time uh, in my life uh, to begin that process. Um, but my life, interestingly, it grew through my teenage years, but also to kind of a confession here, in my you know, latter junior and senior year in high school, I also was out doing things that I knew were wrong. And so I would be in church and um, trying to grow, and then Fridays and Saturdays oftentimes would be out with the wrong people. And so I knew that was, you know, not the right thing to do. But it also demonstrates how how sometimes the spiritual growth for all of us can be a struggle and uh, reaching out and holding ourselves accountable and doing the right things. And um, I think I learned and grew from it. It wasn't right, but I, th- I, th- I think God put the right people at the right time in my life um, to move past and grow past some of those things. Went to a, a small Baptist school in Abilene for college. And there, I went there because I had family members that had gone there and had a good friend that was there. But God used those reasons and circumstances, I think, to draw me there uh, because it was there that I decided to pursue full-time ministry. Graduated there, got married uh, in the early 80s, um, began in ministry as a youth minister, and then after eight or nine years went to pastoral ministry, which I was in for 20-something years. And so um, I can see how God called me, looking back on it, and... um, Ministry has been a very rewarding thing. But there's also been some, some trials and, and some tough times that, that um, I think are significant to my faith journey. One of them is in um, 2005, I was married, and then my wife uh, decided on a future that didn't include the rest of our family, and that was one of the most tragic and and difficult things that that I've ever walked through. Went through a time of of, um, probably about two years of depression and struggling. And of course I left the ministry because I knew it was the right thing to do because I was just struggling to take care of myself. I couldn't really minister to other people, you know, at the time. And so then if you've only prepared to do one thing, and that's ministry. You know, then what do I do? And that, I think, was a source of a lot of the depression. And I began attending, you know, another large church here in the area so that I could be anonymous and just kind of sneak in and sneak out. And it ended up not being able, I was not able to be anonymous, uh, which was a good thing. God was taking care of me. Um, 
I didn't know where I was going to live because I wasn't making enough money, and there's just all kinds of things going on. And I just happened to sit next to another gentleman who was in the singles ministry. He really did not know him other than his name. And we chatted a little bit before the service started. And he was kind of asking me about my story, which was common in the singles uh, area. And um, part of the story was I'm looking for, a, you know, I need a place to live and not sure how I'm going to pay for it and all of that. And he just looked at me and he grinned. And he said, why don't you just come live with me for a while? And I was shocked. He didn't require rent, didn't expect anything of me. He just wanted to provide a place for me to heal and recover. And God put us at the right place at the right time for that conversation to happen. And God took care of me through a man. And he met my needs through a man that barely even knew me. And I, I look back on it and I think, what a risk. You know, I, you know, I could have been a bank robber as far as he knows. But he was doing what he sensed God was leading him to do. And um, so I was there probably about a year. And um, our personalities were pretty different. And so it wasn't like we were cozy buddies all the time. Um, but it was what I needed you know, at that time. The other significant event that happened was at that same singles ministry sitting at a table. We sat in round tables to have discussion, much like you do here with a lot of the men's uh, ministries, uh, sitting next to a man and, again, sharing, you know, names and what do you do for a living. And, of course, I was very used to saying, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. And his response to me was, well, this is easy. I can give you a job. And again, my jaw dropped. I was amazed. And we met several times, come to find out he was on the leadership team or as an executive at a pretty large company and provided me a position that lasted. Um, it was in sales, and I'm, I'm not big on sales, but it provided for my needs for several years, provided quite well for several years. And so without all of my own efforts went in vain, but in these two circumstances, it's like God picked out people and brought them to me. And that's really the only way I can explain it. And it was because he brought two men into my life and they reached out and took a chance and did what they sensed God was leading them to do. Wow. And I will be grateful to them for the rest of my life for, for what they did in my life. Wow, that's, that's such a powerful story, George. And, and first of all, I'm sorry to hear the pain that you had to go through between the d divorce and the depression and the, the darkness. And I'm sure there's any number of people listening to this podcast that can relate whether they've been through that particular trial or, or not, that feeling of darkness, depression, hopelessness is far more common than we tend to realize. I think in the church, there's a positive trend, but I think we still have a lot of ways to go of making sure the church is a safe place to be able to talk about those things. And I know a huge step is to hear our leaders and our pastors 
be honest about their own yes. struggles. So thank you for that. And men in particular, we're really good at hiding those things. Right. And it takes a lot of courage to quit hiding. Right. So to be vulnerable. Yeah. So thank you for, for leading us in that way, George. And then my mind went again to what we talked about in the first part of your story, the the impact of specific people. And I know you are, had, had alluded to that a few minutes ago as well. And so again, I couldn't help but think, okay, if a man or, or woman is, is listening to this and they're in that dark place, they need community, that this is yes. what the body of Christ here is for, that to get in a grow group or as some of these ministries that you mentioned near the beginning of our podcast get launched, to get into those, to get into a place... Um, one of the songs I was taking my son to to school today, and there's a song by NF, and he's basically saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but one thing that I need to tell you, if the Lord were to decide to take me tonight, I need you to hear this before I go, that if you find yourself in a dark place, you're not alone. There's millions of us. Yeah. And so um, to know that you're not alone, and so I appreciate that. But then the flip side of it, Again, the opportunity that if a man or woman is listening to this and they're not in that dark place, there are people all around us who are, and to have those open eyes and to move in and to, when you see a need, if it's within your power to meet it, move in and meet it. And yes. I love that you even mentioned the the inherent risk that some of these men took into offering that. I'm like, but that... That's what we're called to do. If, if Christ laid down his life for us, how can we not do risky things in the name of love and for the sake of the gospel and the good of others? Sure. And it is risky, and I, you know, I wouldn't ever advocate somebody to do something that is, you know, just totally dangerous. Right. But as you said, it is the gospel and living out our faith is risky business. Right. And uh, I guess I might reframe that as in taking chances so that we can see what Jesus is going to do. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I had one other issue. Maybe it's not an issue. Another trial that um, I experienced that um, I had a son born back in 1988. He was born with congenital heart defects. By the time he was a year old, he had already gone through four surgeries. And one of them was open heart surgery. And um, I, would, I would consider that probably my second life-defining uh, time. Um, it was a, a difficult time in that we did not know if he would make it or not. And I had never fought for somebody's life before, especially not a family member. And, and I found myself praying and fighting for the life of my son as best I knew how, which at the time didn't feel like I was doing a, a very good job of it. There was a moment in which before his open heart surgery, which was his biggest surgery, when I went and gave him took him down to the operating suite, was able to carry him down there, handed him over to the surgical nurse to carry him back, um, in which I had to give him over not knowing if I could get him back again. 
And that was the most emotional time I've ever had in my life in struggling with what's going to happen and God, what's, what's going on here? And I never struggled with the existence of God. I struggled if God was going to do anything. And so even somebody in ministry who's been around church all their life, I was struggling to believe what God would do. He came through great. He's in his 30s now, actually a runner that, you know, likes to run half marathons and all those sorts of things. But looking back, I can see how that wintry season of my life, God used that, again, brought people into our life that cared about us. There was one person in particular that we had a son that was a year older that was doing fine, but we needed a lot of child care because we were at the hospital a lot. And I remember her stepping in and saying, some people will say they care and they will come and go, but I am here for the long term. And she was there every time we needed her. And I think ministry like that is just incredible for us to be in it for somebody else for the long run and not just for a day or a week or whatever. And she was true to her word. And so looking back, I think she had one of the most powerful ministries in our life of just being there. She didn't have any special words, didn't know what to say. She was just there. And I think we overlooked that ministry of presence in people's lives. And it was powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, uh, George, for sharing that. I can't imagine particularly that moment of, of handing your, your infant over to someone, not knowing if you'll receive them back. And, of course, uh, praise God for the miracles and, and for your son's health. But also praise the Lord for the perspective that he's given you and how he used that season in your, your life. Uh, that that seems to have been a theme kind of throughout your story of, you know, we don't often understand what God is doing in the moment, but just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that he isn't doing something, but often we just need that perspective of time. And so I think, again, you know, an encouragement to anybody listening to this podcast would be if you've never stopped and, and reflected on your own story to do some of that, look look at some of these pivotal moments yeah. and see what you learn. I, you know, it, there, there's a sense that we're, when we're in those trials, we have to be looking two directions. We look back and we can see God's faithfulness in our life before. And so we know he will be again. But then we also look forward knowing that uh, here we are about to enter the Lenten season, which of course is going to culminate with the resurrection. And that's that's our ultimate hope, that because of Christ's resurrection, we know that we will one day be resurrected with him to eternal life on a new earth, a, 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 an earth where there will be no more divorce, there will be no more depression, no more darkness, no yeah. more 
children born with congenital heart defects, and so we look forward to that and hope. And we know that it's coming because of how we've seen God be faithful in the past Absolutely. in our own lives uh, and through the cross and resurrection of Christ. I agree. Absolutely. In the middle of things, I don't sit around quoting Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28 where it says that um, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. I, I never thought about that verse, you know, and I don't during the tough times. I think my, and for a lot of people, my 2020 vision comes in looking back, and then I, God brings verses like that to mind, and then we say, he was there. He did exactly what he said he would do for us in watching over us and taking care of us. And then in those often quiet moments, you know, our faith is strengthened our walk with him is strengthened knowing that you know the next time around the corner he will be there right and he is watching over me and to to know that working all things for good doesn't necessarily mean according to our definition you know paul that is continues very true. there talking about how we are being conformed to the image of christ that even if god doesn't come through with a miracle in that moment that he is using that to shape us and mold us to use the language that we've been using this uh, semester, that he is transforming us by yes. the power of the gospel in and through all the things. Yes, the highs, but also those lows as we lean into him, as we lean into the body of Christ, and as we see others suffering and we move in for them, that the Lord is working all those things for, for our good, chiefly transforming us by the power of the gospel. Yes, and I think... Um, Oftentimes we go through things, and, and I don't want it to ever come across as a pity party, because I think um, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians is, is absolutely true, that God comforts us in our troubles so that we can be a comfort to others in their time of trouble. And so uh, I think you know the things that I've been through have prepared me to minister better to other people, to be more equipped right. uh, to minister to other people. And I think anybody who goes through, and we all do, through struggles and through difficult times, um, God doesn't waste those experiences. And there are people around us that the, the event may be different, but the struggles on the inside are very similar. Right. And what we... What we um, experience on the inside is very similar. And so I think there's a lot of men and women that are much more equipped than we realize or than they realize mm -hmm. to care and love people. And they don't, we don't have to have all the answers, but we can say, been there. Can we just get together? Can we, can we, can we, can we pray for you? And um, it just makes a profound difference in people's lives. Absolutely. Uh, and I love that, you know, taking the comfort we've received and giving it to others. And, and it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm thankful that you're, you're here and on staff and as a care pastor and that you get to take those, those trials that you've been through 
and get to take what you've learned and encourage the the people of Faith Bridge. And I thank you for taking some time out of your day to to do that even now on this podcast. So thank you for being here, George. I appreciate it. This yeah, has been good. Absolutely. And and men, thank you for joining us on this journey to fight the good fight, to believe the true gospel, and to be transformed by the gospel. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, subscribe to, and share this podcast so that more men can be reached with the gospel and lock arms to fight the good fight together. Men, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Faith Bridge Men podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe so you can catch future episodes and help us spread the good news by rating and reviewing the podcast and sharing this episode with another man who would be helped by the content. And we will catch you next time on the Faith Bridge Men podcast. Until then, keep fighting the good fight.